This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. Best-selling and award-winning author and investigative reporter Hank Philippi Ryan returns with a lightning-paced novel of suspense that will keep readers guessing until the very last page. The book is Her Perfect Life. Touching on issues of privacy, family secrets, social media, and living life in the public eye. That's something Ryan, the longtime on-camera investigative reporter for Boston's WHDH-TV, understands more than anyone. And that makes her perfect life Ryan's most riveting and personal book yet. Hank Philippi Ryan is the on-air investigative reporter for Boston's WHDH-TV. She's won 37 Emmys and dozens more journalism honors. The nationally best-selling author of 13 thrillers, Ryan's also an award winner in her second profession with five Agathas, three Anthonys, two McCavities, the Daphne, and for the other woman, the coveted Mary Higgins Clark Award. Happy to have Hank Philippi Ryan join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Hank, welcome to this program. Thank you. It's so great. I, I wish you could see me smiling and smiling as you read that introduction. It's so nice to hear I'm in the middle of writing my new book, and sometimes hearing something like that is very reassuring. It must be, yes. And you are the USA Today bestselling author as well. So this book, first off, what is this novel all about, and why is this so personal for you? Well, that's so such a fascinating question, Steve, because my editor said to me when she read the book, she said, this is your most personal book yet. And I said, R- really? I just hadn't really seen it that way. But sometimes a new set of eyes can see a book in a way that the writer doesn't see. We, we hope for that. And the book is about the spotlight and about the vulnerability of the spotlight. And I started thinking about, you know, as a reporter, I've been a television reporter for 43 years, mm-hmm. and I'm used to being in the public eye. I'm used to going places and having people recognize me. I'm used to have, going places and having people say, um, oh, I see you, I know you, I even I love you, which is sort of disturbing. Mm-hmm. So I wanted Lily Atwood, my character in the book, to be able to delve into that a little bit. It's a twisty, turny, cat-and-mouse thriller. So all these thematic things are sort of underneath the, the, the scary, sinister, manipulative cat-and-mouse game story that her perfect life is. But, you know, I've won lots of Emmys, and Lily Atwood, the main character, has won Emmys. And what I wanted people to think about is... Yes, of course, the Emmys are wonderful, and they're an award for changing the world, changing laws, changing lives, doing something good. But every single one of those 37 Emmys I have also represents a secret that someone didn't want me to tell. So essentially, every one of those Emmys represents an enemy, somebody who would rather not have me or Lily do the story that we did, and what might be the result of that in a reporter's life. So Lily Atwood, she's a reporter in Boston. She, Everybody knows her, and that may be her biggest problem. You know, she has fame. She has fortune. She has Emmys. She's a single mom to an adorable seven-year-old daughter, but she also has a deep, dark secret. And Someone wants to tell it, and if they do, Lily's life and career and family are ruined. But how does she keep a secret when she's always in the spotlight? Um, And she learns that that spotlight may be the most dangerous place of all. So needless to say, Hank, there's a, a, a bit of you in Lily, right? 
Well, there, you know, that's one of the wonderful things. I, I always marvel at how lucky I am to have had all these years as an investigative reporter and a television reporter, uh, preparation for being an author. And also a way, this is, the, Her Perfect Life is a way to allow people to think about reporters as people in a different kind of way than they might if they just see them on TV. And think about everything that goes with being a reporter. You know, when I was working in Atlanta as a, as a weekend anchor, um, I came home one night at midnight on a Saturday to find police cars surrounding my house, and I ran up to the police officer and said, what's going on? And he said, a burglar broke into your house. Uh, there he is in the back seat of the cruiser. And the reason he broke into your house was that he knew you lived here, and he knew you were live on television. So he knew you weren't home. And that was the first moment that I began to sort of realize the extreme vulnerability of someone who's on the air, of someone who's on the air live, because people not only know where you are, they know where you aren't, sort of the beginning of her perfect life. How can you have a perfect life if you're in the spotlight all the time? And Lily, in Lily's case, Lily is way more famous than I'll ever be, in Lily's case, she chose the spotlight, but her little daughter didn't. And how does any single mom in the spotlight handle the potential danger to their family from what their profession is? And you see what an interesting, cool, sinister conflict that might be. How, how does anyone balance that search for perfection when people are always watching you and always scrutinizing you and always knowing where you are? We're chatting with Hank Philippi Ryan here on Speaking of Writers. Her newest thrilling standalone novel is called Her Perfect Life. So did you always want to become a writer, Hank? Oh, that's so, that is such a great question, and I have to sneak in really quickly here that Her Perfect Life just went into a second printing after mm-hmm. just two weeks on sale. So those first editions are still out there somewhere, um, but they're going fast. Did I always want to be a writer? That's such a great question, and I love thinking about that because I grew up in really rural Indiana, so rural that you couldn't see another house from our house. And my sister and I used to ride our ponies to the library. That's how rural it was to get books. And we'd read up in the hayloft of the barn behind our house. And I read, I devoured Nancy Drew, as all of us did. And then I started reading Sherlock Holmes. And that's what made me, I thought about plot, and I thought about character, and I thought about puzzles. And I remember, Steve, so clearly reading at about age 12, Murder on the Orient Express. And I thought, wow, how did Agatha Christie fool us like that? And I really thought it would be wonderful to be the kind of writer that could fool people, that could lure them in to a mystery and then pull the rug out from under them at the end. I thought that would be great. But I also thought that it might be more fun to be Sherlock Holmes than write about Sherlock Holmes so sort of in my career, in my double life as an investigative reporter and as a crime fiction author, um, I get to be a little of each. I get to be um, a detective, and I also get to make up stuff about uh, crime. So it's worked out very nicely. It's worked out very nicely. I'd been a reporter for 30 years when I started writing fiction. So I'm sort of the poster child for following your childhood dreams, uh, but at midlife. And did you always know that you were a pretty good storyteller? 
Um, besides the stuff that I made up to tell my parents about things that where I really was when I really wasn't there, I don't think I was very good at that. You know, that's I've never thought about that. I always loved the idea of a story, of a good story, of an immersive story. And I think, honestly, that I learned how to do that as a reporter. As a reporter, we have to have compelling, interesting, new, riveting stories with a beginning and a middle and an end, with a character who you care about, with an important problem that needs to be solved, where the good guys win and the bad guys get what's coming to them. And in the end, you need to change the world and get some justice. So isn't that's what I did every day as yes. a reporter. I tried to write the most compelling story that I possibly could. And so when, as a crime fiction author, my stories take a year to write rather than a day or rather than a week, um, it was a whole new experience, but I did have the sort of underpinnings, the sort of structure, the architecture for how to tell a story. And I don't want you to turn the channel when my stories are on TV. So that rhythm, that metabolism of a story translates between the two so perfectly. Yeah. Do you always know in advance the motives of your main character? I don't know anything about <laughs> know anything about anything, but I love that you bring up motivation because I think the key, I don't know, I don't know the motivations of my characters. No, I do not. I don't know even what bad thing is about to happen or who is going to be responsible for the bad thing. I, just as in writing, um, just as in reporting a story, when I'm doing crime fiction, I'm in search of the story. So I'm constantly saying to myself, why would they do that? Why would they care about that? Why would they want that? Why would they make that decision? And I think the decision-making process is the most revealing thing in crime fiction and the re most revealing thing not only about story but about character because when a character makes a decision, that's when you know who they are. When they face an obstacle on the way to what they want and they have to make a decision about how to get there and then the action takes off from there, but we know more. Their character and their motivation is revealed by their decisions. So since I don't know what's going to happen next in my novels, until I write the next line or the next paragraph or the next scene, that's what sort of gets me to the computer every day. You know, I think to myself, ooh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. And the only way I can find out is to write it. And those motivations that you asked about are revealed along the way. So you are uh, what's considered a pantser. You don't really outline. You know, there's, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think, oh, golly, I really wish I had an outline. <laughs> Someday when I'm a grown-up writer, I will have an outline, I promise myself. Um, and I have had my editor say, can you just send us an outline? It would sure be simpler. And I say, no, I'm so sorry, I can't send an outline because I don't know what happens until it happens, and it happens on the page as I write the book. So I could make up some outline and, you know, fill a couple pages, but it wouldn't, that the, I couldn't write the book to fit the outline. It just wouldn't work that way because the book doesn't want to be that. You know, the book wants to be something else. I just don't know it until I write it. So you won't uh, be writing like a good friend of this program, Jeffrey Deaver, who does a 50 to 60 page or 100 page outline. We won't be seeing that from Hank Philippi Ryan anytime soon. Well, you know, it's so funny that you bring up Jeffrey Deaver because I adore him. And we, and Thriller Fest, 
International Writers Organization, put us together on a one-on-one panel to debate the merits of outlining versus not outlining. And it was a fantastic conversation. I'm not sure we convinced each other of anything, but I did come away. And I think Jeff did, too, with a new understanding of how 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 marvelous it is at how differently our brains work, and yet still a story comes out on the other side. And, and that's kind of great. So are you working on another novel? And if so, can you give us a sneak peek into what it's about? <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know, yes, I should be doing that right now, Steve. Um, I'm in the midst of my 14th book. I'm on, I've got, I'm looking at my word count chart now. I'm on word 80,453. Um, that is straight from my word count chart, and I have to tell you that I'm thinking that when I get back to my manuscript today, this may be the day that it reveals what it's about. But I do know it will be out in September of 2022, and it's going to be called, I think, and don't hold me to this, and I'm just telling you this because it's you, um, I think it's going to be called Her New Best Friend, and it's about the weaponization of friendship, and I keep having in my head, money changes everything, and that's what friends are for. So it's another cat and mouse game, but which character is the cat and which character is the mouse? Just like in her perfect life, which character is the cat and which character is the mouse? Well, we'll enjoy this one for now, Her Perfect Life. The latest from USA Today bestselling author, Hank Philippi Ryan. And by the way, you can connect online. You're all over the place online. HankPhilippiRyan.com, Instagram, Hank P. Ryan. Also Twitter, at, at Hank P. Ryan, and Facebook.com, Hank Philippi Ryan <laughs> author. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. And this is Speaking of Writers.